The infamous Mr. Phil Brown. Thank you very much. <laughs> not in the slightest chance did I think he would turn around and walk in the dressing room <laughs> and go, and I'm stood at the back like this going, wow. Ricky had 10,000 leaflets of my statement of what I said printed and sent it round the stadium. The pressure put on him by the players of PSG, outrageous. I was going to lie down and not a chance. I said, well, that front four, they're going to go in the face of Man United. And sure enough, as eggs were eggs, bang, straight went in the face of the opposition. <laughs> Did you learn your skills, Phil, from Sam? Yeah, blame him for everything. <laughs> so this is what Ethan wants to know. Come on. What's your favourite cheat meal? What's your favourite takeaway? Ooh. <laughs> I'll get yours as well, Phil. That's a new one on me, that is. Yeah. The players watching Jeremy Kyle in the morning. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for another episode of No Tippy Tappy Football brought to you by William Hill. Hey Sam, how are you? I'm good, thank you. And you? Yes, very good. I'm very much looking forward to this episode today because I feel like there's going to be lots of stories. Ooh. <laughs> well, we go way back. <laughs> oh. I mean, way, way back. So, <laughs> it's a good, um, it's a good one. I'm so pleased he's uh, made the journey up today from uh, from down south, I mean, so... Uh, it's my pleasure to introduce my former player when I was manager of Blackpool, who became my assistant manager and then assistant manager at Port Wonders, uh, the infamous Mr. Phil Brown. Thank you very much for coming. <laughs> no problem. The infamous Mr. Phil Brown. Former player, let me tell you the story when we first start, where, where my transition from a player to a coach. Okay. Because I didn't become assistant manager. I wanted the assistant manager's job. Remember this one, Sam? Yeah. And Sam was going, no, you can't have the assistant manager. You can't have the assistant It was for distinguished people like Bobby Saxton. Bobby Saxton had just lost his job and I was replacing Bobby Saxton. Now, what a this big, is at Blackpool. This, this is at Blackpool. Blackpool yeah. What a big pair of shoes to fill, by the way. And I'm taking you back maybe four years before that when I was going out the game. Guaranteed, Sam, you'll, you'll know the story. I was going yeah. out the game. This was my trade. The pub, the pub industry. I had a nightclub, I had a restaurant, I had a bar. Um, and I was just going out the game. And then Bruce Rioch said to me, you know, the game of football is yours. You know, you've been there for 15, 16 years. Get your badges done. And I actually went to do the certificate. Remember the certificate of applied yeah. manager? That's right, yeah. The certificate of applied management in uh, Warwick University. And that was the first step into this sort of life that we were going to lead for the next, what, 25 years. So I started there. And then fortunately, having Bruce Rioch left to go to Arsenal from Bolton Wanderers, I left to go to Black Blackpool. And that's where I met the big man. And then Sacco lasted about six oh, months. He went toe to toe with Billy Bingham, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Every... It, it was a, it was a case. Of, it was a case of this. Uh, Bobby Saxon had many, many managing roles. Fantastic guy. Plymouth Blackbird. Exactly what I needed to guide me in my first job as a manager. But I used to get very frustrated with Billy Bingham, who used to be the director of football. He had a director of football way back then, oh. and they clashed. And they forced him out. They forced him out to, and of course, Bobby said, you know, you stay, I'll go. Don't worry about that, like you mean. So Phil, I know, wanted to get into coaching. So that's when we gave it, I gave him the opportunity to, to, to jump in. And listen to it, Natalie. I get a phone call. It's Thursday night, two days before a game, as we well know, 48-hour curfews on the alcohol, et cetera, et cetera. Brownie, Big Sam, where are you? And I'm thinking, he's my manager. I was a player then. He's my manager. Uh, uh, I'm in the in the snooker club at, at Bolton. 
right, that's a two weeks wages fine. <laughs> that was the first thing he said. That's a two weeks wages fine. Right, I'll be down there in five minutes. And sure enough, we both both lived in Bolton. He jumped in his car, came down. And that was the first time I'd heard that Sacco had lost his job. And I'm filling a pair of boots there straight away. I mean, that was, you know, in my opinion, a legend of the game. And Sam was going to more than emulate that, but he was in the early stages as a manager himself. So basically it was two fairly young men coming together yeah, was, yeah. and he just said, uh, so uh, what wages you on, Brownie? I said, Sam, one of the best wages I've, I've ever had, even at Bolton Wonders, I, I, was on a, I was on a grand a week. And he went, uh, right, okay, that's the, uh, the bad news is you're on a grand a month now. <laughs> if, if you take the job yeah. as a coach, you're on a grand a month. <laughs> so I had to go back and think long and hard about it. But the 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 words that rung in me here, and these are this is a true story. The words that rung in me here were his sales pitch was brilliant. The the money was rubbish. Never underestimate the offer of a coaching position. You get on the ladder. Yeah. And then you've got to back yourself. That was his that was his sales pitch. And I, I backed myself and a year later, I was at Bolton Wanderers in the uh, in the Premier League. He was gutted he didn't get the job. <laughs> I mean, you should have seen his face. Well, you assisted his, at Bolton his at face, his, I walked in, <laughs> yeah, me and Lynn and him and Karen, I walked in he had a face, him and Karen had a face like a, a slap back to him. <laughs> and I said, look, listen, I know you're disappointed, but, you know, if you yeah. want the manager's job, you'll get one. As long as, as long as it's not here. <laughs> uh, it it, listen, it was the coming together. And it, I honestly thought at the time, I don't know whether you were thinking the same thing, it was almost like a a force to be reckoned with, you know. I had ideas. Sam had ideas. He was driving the train. We used to always talk about the train and the train journey and the train driver. He was the driver. He was he was the, the manager. We were on the train. And he used to say, you can get off at any time you want. This is where I'm going. You can get off at any time you want. And that included players. That included Waves, if necessary, that included the uh, the backroom staff, but he was just building something that was going to be a force to be reckoned with. So he wanted to be a part of it. It was just, it was a brilliant dream that was becoming reality in, in front of our eyes. And it was brilliant. Honestly, Natalie, it was fabulous at the time to be involved in it. Crazy, mental. Uh, used to go to places like Chelsea and turn them over. Go to places like Arsenal, get under Arsene Wenger's skin. Nobody ever did that as well as anybody than Sam. Uh, and then go to places like um, Manchester United. We'll tell you the story when you probably start asking. You haven't even asked the question yet. I knew this. You're, I knew this was going to be a story uh, build episode. We'll tell you the story about Manchester United. Go, when, to, go, go. Tell. When, when we'll we have it. We prepared for Manchester United one time. Madness, madness, crazy. He just said, "Rowney, what are we doing uh, in the diary the week before the United game?" And I've gone, nothing planned. It was like, right, check out the um, the lakes, the load. Hotel at the lakes, and I'm saying, What's your plans? He said, We'll take them up there, do a little bit of team building. We'll need to build up some strength of character, you know. We had energy levels, we had you could measure how far we were running against anybody, yeah. and we were running, we were running teams off the park. Whether we had the quality to win the game was a different argument, but we were fitter than anybody, and we could run teams off the park. And all these stats that people, you know, people are coming out with nowadays started early, early doors, late 90s, going into the 2000s. Innovators, as, as the, the great word. Anyway, so I check out the Lowood Hotel. We can get it for three days and we can get this team building exercise going for three days. What we were doing was building rafts to sail across Windermere. We were going on paint. Paintball was just to sort the teams out. We've got three groups of eight, three groups of nine. Toilet racing 
You ever heard of that one? I've never heard toilet of that racing. Yeah. What is toilet racing? You've got racing? wheels on the toilet. You get a toilet, literally a toilet, and all you've got is an engine running, and you've got to release the brake. And the, engine, <coughs> and the wheels just start. So you've got four wheels on it, and we, we built this track inside with, with, with haystacks inside the hotel, and we were doing racing. It was brilliant. Can you give me some player names so I can imagine these players doing it? Paul Warhurst, Dean Holsworth, yeah. um, Ian Marshall. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're not crazy. They were okay. enjoying it. They were really. Bo Hansen. This is Bo this. Hansen, yeah. Bo Hansen. You yeah. talk about a moaning Danish. We had four Danish players, and one of the biggest moaners in the game was Bo Hansen. Yeah. And the big. When we, when we get on this journey, I'm on the coach. Sam's taking his car because he's meeting a player on Thursday hopefully, to strengthen the, the squad. So his plans were, I'm not going on the coach. Take the players there. I'll, I'll meet you at the, the Lowood. Sure enough, we met him at the Lowood. I phoned Big Man. You can't believe the morning that's going on, Sam. What do you mean? Bo Hansen, you want to hear this? And I'm giving them the, the telephone. Oh, what are we doing this for? What are we doing? Remember, yeah. on the way back after three days in the lakes, not just crazy drinking or anything daft like a team building it was really oh. togetherness yeah and we we're playing manchester united on on saturday by the way at old trafford and um i phoned sam up sam's meeting this player and i said sam listen to this oh that was brilliant the, the noise level and the energy that was created from these three days in the lakes was off the scale and i'm saying listen to this sam half an hour later they're gone they're not they were they were like taking they were, kids they were shattered they were literally shattered and he went and he's infinite wisdom. Trust me on this one. He went, just give him the day off tomorrow. And I'll go, excuse me? Just give him the... This we hadn't done any prep. You wanted the Friday. We hadn't done any... Okay. The players didn't want it. He was just saying, just give him the day They've done more work and and done the energy levels and the thought process of what we just... Just give him Friday. So give him Friday off. We meet at the Reebok Stadium on the Saturday. He does about 45 minutes on a flip chart with a video and, and stuff like that on preparation for playing Manchester United. We beat Man United 2-1. What? Kevin Nolan scored the winner. We never... No, no. 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 Ricketts scored Ricketts, the winner. Michael Ricketts, yeah. And Nolan that was back when they were dead good. Yeah, well, Nolan well, scored well, deep, was, yeah. But so. go, through, go through the process of, you know, we could have been on the training ground four or five days a week, working on set pieces, working on this, that, and the other. Michael Ricketts, you tell him something. If you didn't have to work hard for it, he'll do it. If you yeah, thought it was, was a winning goal in the end of it, he'll do it. Yeah. So all of this thing. And Michael Ricketts, we were like... Watching these crosses coming into our penalty box at 1 1, 80 minutes on the clock, Natalie. Cross, 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 cross. Jaskalainen catches the ball. Yeah, yeah. And we're thinking, just dropping it. Just lie on it for five seconds. You know, we were trying to catch a breath. <laughs> yeah. He only kicks it straight down the field. And he spotted a one on one, Ricketts and Wes Brown. Yeah, Wes. Yeah. And Wes Brown, instead of just going, heading it back, chests it down or tries to chest it down he chests it up Ricketts heads it over the top and puts it past Fabian Bartes <gasps> but he's finished if you remember it yeah it's brilliant and he's gone in where do you get that finish he's gone after the game where do you get that finish from sports science lads told me he was weak up to his right hand side and he's yeah. put it in the left hand top so they listened to what you were telling them the information you didn't just have to run them crazy they actually took on board what you were saying and more importantly, this this team building exercise. Three days at, in the lake lakes, and you've gone to Manchester United on Saturday and beaten all United at Old Trafford. So it's this phenomenal. is the key. <laughs> That's innovation at its finest. At its, dislocated at its, expectation. Absolutely. Dislocated. Dislocated expectation. Something they never expected. Instead of the old. Routine. That's the routine. That's the routine. That's repetition. The bonus. So it changes changes the brain matter in terms of how you're thinking because. 
I always, I always, I'm like that. I can't do the same all the time. I can't be repetitive. I have to do different things, you know what I mean? So, so other people like that routine. So you have to learn that some people like that routine so you don't disturb them too much just now and again. Mm. People who are, who can change all the time and adjust, you can find out whether you can do that or that, whether they don't, like you I mean. I knew this was just going to be a podcast full of brilliant stories. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, tell us what you're up to now, Phil. Uh, I'm working just media and doing, I'm going uh, games. Because I played in three divisions, because I managed in all the divisions down to the National League, even from the Premier League to the National League, the um, the media outlets are using me um, to do radio work. Uh, not so much TV, I haven't got the face for that now. Right. <laughs> listen to Brown. <laughs> no, it's a cool, I'm loving the it. coolest man on earth. I'm, I was at Oxford, Oxford Bolton last night. Um, I'm doing Manchester United Bournemouth in a couple of weeks' time. Um, so that shows you the diversity of it. Um, I'm doing the FA Cup. I'm at Aldershot. I know the managers that are, are bottling around, you know. Tommy Widrington. Mm. Tommy Widrington's doing um, Aldershot and the beat. They beat Swindon Town 7, was it 7-3, 7-4 in the last game in the FA Cup. Wow. And we'll, you know the crack. Tommy Widrington phones me up. Brownie, what are you doing? I'm out of work. Are you applying for jobs? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He said, well, if you get one, he said, I'll come and work with you, no problem. Geordie lad, I'll, I'll come and work with you, no problem. He said, we, we seem to get on great together. I've got no aspirations about management at all. Two weeks later, he gets the shot job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So are you applying for jobs? Do you want to get back into management? Um, um, of course no. he does. It's... <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll tell you the stories about the jobs and... His education of, of me goes far beyond an apprenticeship. You know, that we're talking about a friendship that lasted a long time and been through the mill together. And the advice I got from him at times was, anyway, once you get that bug, once you get the bug, Brownie, that'll be it. And when he, and I said this last week, and we did a Q&A in, in Sirencester, and I said, um, you know, Sam offered me, the biggest, my biggest regret was Sam offered me the assistant manager's job at Sunderland. Sunderland's my club. I've supported Sunderland since I was a boy and he offered me the job and I was still entrenched in management and I turned him South down. End, right? You know? South End. Yeah. And I turned him down for, for a stay at South End. What a Mentally bad, was. What a bad move. But but the words, once it's in you... I get here. You know you know what I mean? It's, you, it's you'll really, always go back if It's really difficult, but if I was ever going to yeah. work for somebody or with it's somebody, it would be Sam. Even worse. If you'd have come with me, it'd have been England court. <laughs> <laughs> Don't kill me with that one. <laughs> Don't kill me with that one. There'd have been no doubt I'd have probably taken him with me when I got the England job. If it had been with me at Sunderland when I got the England job, there'd be, there'd be no, there probably wouldn't have been a doubt about it. To be fair, that's, that's, a, that's a great be. part of your life, <laughs> a great part of your career. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, keeping Sunderland, I mean, they, they still speak so highly of them up there. And it was only only there for a year, just under a year, weren't you? And yeah, I only got there in November. Ellis Short, who's you know, I've spoke many a time about how to how to how to get on with your owners, about the relationship you build with your owners, not friendships. Relationships. Have you done that book yet? Uh, how, no. to get, how to get no. on with your owners? No, that's no, an absolute no. no, no-brainer. Most, most of the time, when I talk about managing, and which is head coaching now, isn't it? And they've changed that. They've changed that narrative sadly. Um, uh, our owners and and more. 
it's difficult to get to the direct with the owners in the Premier League because they're not there most of the time now. But <clears> the actual hierarchy, the CEO, the chief executive, the financial director, the director of football, the the, the head of analysis, probably the head of recruitment. Your relationship, you build a relationship with them to to then go. But Ellis Short was the owner then, and my my Ellis was in London. So my responsibility was to deal with the the day to day, but we went we went on a journey with him with, with Ellis because in January he bought four players for me. I think I've said this before. Steve Parrish bought me four players at Crystal Palace because our relationship building, my my ability to, God knows where it comes from, but my ability to to convince that this is what we need, obviously is perhaps a strength of mine that you don't know about. You get on with your job, you look back and, and you say, why, um, how have you achieved this? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I've achieved it. I just have. You're both very good with words. We know that. But you're also very good at both really well known for your team talks. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like, I like a good team talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you learn your skills, Phil, from Sam? Yeah, blame him for everything. <laughs> <laughs> I think you I think I learned I learned we all learn off of the experience of our careers. The experience of how many managers we've had, how many coaches we've had, how many clubs we've had. You know, Phil talks about, you know, playing in every league, playing non-league. How many managers has he had, like you mean? How many coaches? I've had the same, like you mean, non-league, played in every division, managed in every division, managed in non-league. Mm. So played in America. So We've had all this experience that the, the 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 good and the bad. You filter out the good and the bad. So, if I become a manager, I'm not going to ever do that. Yeah. What he did to me, I w- I would not want to do to any player. Yeah. I mean, a player would have to do something outrageously bad for me to treat him like that. But telling him the truth about he's not good enough or not, yeah. And get yourself fixed up at another club and do it quickly because there's no longer a career for you here. And that decision just doesn't come overnight. That comes over a period of time when you've given him enough opportunities to break into the team to prove his worth or not. But then you have to be the ruthless side of, you know, you have to cut him, like you mean. So you'd learn with them all them experiences. And out of all them experiences, you you then must as all ex-managers, old managers told me, you must manage your own way. Yeah. You must do it your way. Don't be doing it like other managers that think you, you, you're mentoring him, you're following, do it, you, you take from their experience, but you do, you do your own thing, like you mean. You do find your, you do find your own way. And I, I remember I overstepped the mark probably, if I can think off the top of my head, probably twice with regards to and I'm talking about assistant manager stepping up, putting your head above the parapet. That's a different argument. So you put your head above the parapet, you get it shot off, you know. But if the manager's shooting it off, you've stepped over the line. Mm-hmm. And I remember one at the end of one game, um, Sunderland away, where we got beat one nil. And um, Sam had said his piece, and he said, "Brownie, do you want to say anything?" And I went, I went for one player, and I went for him in a big way, you know. Remains nameless, but um, I went for this player. And I remember the big man, he's bigger than me. So I'm facing the players and all of a sudden, Sam, Sam's actually in front of me now and he's saying, Brown, too far, 
too far, Brown. <laughs> but once you're there, it's very difficult to pull yourself back, let alone because you, you get involved in the situations. You're also emotional about, well, if I stop now, I'm not making me points. So, you know, that, that was just the way I was brought up. So I kept on going and too far, too, but it was getting louder. He was getting bigger. I he calls you brown. He, brown, like, brown. Yeah. But he was getting bigger. And I, I, next thing I'll just see Sam in front of me. I can't even see the player. But it was, um, that was just me learning my, my trade then. When you've stepped over the lane and it's too many times, you're out then, aren't you? You're, you're, you're not adding to the manager. You're not helping the manager then. You just need to get your own train then and drive your own train. Is it true that you once got, um, I've forgotten his name, Jeremy Kyle? Oh, yeah. to do a team talk for you. <laughs> I got the kit man once. <laughs> <laughs> right, we need that story in a minute. Right, Phil. I uh, I bumped into Jeremy Kyle in the, uh, you know, John, will, John will know the place, uh, Cheltenham Racecourse Owners and Trainers Bar. Lovely. And it's after the, a festival race and he's a big wig, guaranteed. And I didn't realise he was that heavily involved in, in horse racing. But he was there holding court and I was in there and uh, he came across to me and I didn't realise you were involved in horse racing, blah, blah, blah. So he started talking horse racing, basically. And eventually I realised he seems a decent fella, this. So we've had a, we had a couple of nights out and I said, really having a problem with your players, uh, sorry, with my players at the time at South End. He said, what's the problem? I said, they're coming every morning and they're talking about you. And he's like, what are you <laughs> How sad's that one, by you're, the way? Oh, <laughs> I'm never, sure. I'm that that's a new one on me, that is. You're, the players <laughs> watching Jeremy Kyle in the but, morning. But they're watching oh. they're watching how he earlier. deals with things and how he goes on about, you know, this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. So I said, You wouldn't do us a favor coming in and do a team talk with him. And he went, You serious? I said, We've got, I, I can't remember who we were playing. It was Peterborough. <laughs> Peterborough at South End. Yeah. Well, he would not have been. I mean, this is a beautiful studio, by the way. He would not have been used to if you if you cordon that area off there. That was the full size of our change room at South End. It was tiny, and he walked in, and I've just seen a group of players that I thought, wow, Ant Anton Ferdinand, people like oh god, Anton like, Ferdinand. They were like they started moving back, and you can't move any further back. Oh. You know, but, but then they're sort of splattering themselves up against the wall. Yeah. He didn't see it. He was as nervous as them. So when he came in and he was like about to deliver something, he didn't realise how much fear was in there. Didn't matter what he had said, Sam. He, he could have gotten away with it. You know, them kind of reactions. And I'm standing behind him going, what? This is unusual. <laughs> so I dragged him back out into my office and I went, how do you think that went? He went, I was rubbish. I couldn't actually do that. You know, if it had been on the TV, he yeah. said I would be, be sure would have been crushed. But sure enough, he was panicking. He was nervous about a group of players. And we were, what, first division at the time? To the third tier of English football? Big players. Wow. I mean, Anton Ferdinand's a big yeah. player. Um, so what he, was the he had, What was the score? Yeah. Oh, we didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> and I blamed him in the press. <laughs> we drew 1-1. <we> <laughs> Please excuse me, I just want to stop this episode quickly because Big Sam and I just want to say a huge thank you to you for supporting No Tippy Tappy Football, whether you are listening or watching or doing both. 
Sam and I absolutely love doing this podcast and we couldn't do it without you. So take a second, please, and subscribe or follow wherever you are watching or listening to us. We're also on Twitter, no to be happy football, and we have our own YouTube channel. I know everybody says it, but it really would mean a lot to us and it means that we can keep getting bigger and better guests the more followers and the more subscribers we have. And then you can go and tell all your mates that you've done Big Sam a favour. So thank you for listening. And you had a kit man do a team talk. Yeah, Peter to West Ham. Peter's been kit man for God knows how many years. He's a character, isn't he? Oh, oh yeah. He, years and years and years. You started off as the assistant kit man and, and he must have spent a good a good 15 years, maybe, I don't know, maybe less, maybe longer being assistant kit man before his ultimate goal was realised. Like, I mean, that's how, how long the first the first sort of kit man was in that position. And he nearly got overlooked by the manager previously when the, 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 that kit man left and they wanted to bring a new one in. And eventually, they, I think the player said, you know, Pete's got to have a chance, like I mean. So, and with a particular game, I can't remember the exact game, but it's our, our half-time when we, we're coming in and it's not gone so well and uh, and the players are moaning about the fans getting on the back, like you mean. And Pete's going, what what, what, the, what are they on about, Gaffer? I said, go and tell them, Pete. Not in, not in the slightest chance did I think he would, he would turn around Didn't and walk in the dressing room <laughs> and go, and I'm stood at the back like this going, wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. Who do you think you are? You play for West Ham. You've said, they said, they only said to the fans, get out there and get them cheering. The only way they'll, they'll, you'll get them cheering if you start playing better. The only way they're booing you is because you're playing crap. So stop <laughs> playing crap and play better. Like, you I mean, and out they go. Like, I went, wow, man. Like, you know, what on, on the, just a, just a, and listen to me, like you mean, right. and just say, "Well, go on, Pete." Like you mean, go on, give it to him. And him going, "No, Gaffer, I'll leave that to you." Like as you turned around, he went. It was just, just unbelievable. Like, and can you remember the score? <laughs> I think we won the game, but you know, two 0 I mean? down in half time. Yeah, yeah. He's now in management. Senior one. Okay, I love that, um, Phil. I'm not going to ask you about the famous team talk on the pitch, which by the way, I was there in the crowd Were you? Uh, at City. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you about it because I imagine you're sick of talking about it after all these years, but I am going to ask Sam about it. Sam, what did you think when what you, you saw? Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> but I have to say, it suits him. It suits his character to be fair. You know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, it suits him to do something, something off the wall. Like, I mean, I mean, what Brian should have done was grabbing by the arm and saying, what are you doing, Brown? <laughs> get yourself Brown. Get your team in here and sort them out like I me. Mean. But you listen, you, he's, he's famous saying, stick your head above the parapet. And he did it. Yeah. And be brave enough to do it. Yeah. And then you have to take the, the fallout after and the stick after that you get. But if you think it was the right thing to do at the time, you, you've got to take the chance. You can't, you can't. Hold me. If you never take a chance, you'll never, you'll never succeed. So I used know. to learn from him about high risk strategy, when to play it, and uh, at the start of that season, we survived that year. So we've got to hold that thought, you know, whether it be Man City uh, with a thirty three million pound striker at the time. Who, was that 
Joe Robinho was, was there at the Robinho. time. Was he? Wow. And we had a we had a sixteen and a half million pound budget, so he's worth twice as much as our budget. Don't work it out that way. Just work it out the way we were uncharacteristic in our first half performance, and that's something that you aim for. You, in in the light of your character, that's your team, isn't it? You know. So, yeah. and when they don't represent you to the the best of their ability on the same character or or the same character built for performance, shall I say? Then you do something about it. And I thought that high risk strategy. We had got 20 points from the first nine games, top three. I texted him and said, you're nearly safe already. Nearly safe already. And then words ring in your ears because you know if it's a 40-point strategy, which it was, if truth be known, we survived on 35. So we needed another 15. We didn't know that at the time, but we needed another 15 after nine games. You don't you don't realise that. Sunderland was our 10th game. We got beat 2-0. And again, I've talked about a high risk, risk strategy there. I was asked by the media guy before the game, Ricky Sabraghi was manager. And um, I was asked about uh, Sunderland being my club. So I was asked, and I, all of a sudden I dropped my management guys and I went into supporter. And I said, oh, no, they've underachieved over the last few years. They should have done this, they should have done that. Like an idiot, I'm talking like, like a supporter now and saying what Ricky Sabraghi should have ah, It's not my job. I'm a manager. I'm the manager of the team that's coming in. Ricky had 10,000 leaflets of my statement of what I said, printed and sent it around the stadium. And I'm in the press conference afterwards and we got beat 1-0. And I thought, that's brilliant. Well played. He absolutely turned the whole stadium, which I used to stand in, yeah. turned the whole stadium against me. So it didn't matter how well we were playing, how bad we were playing. We lost the game and that was the start of, of a fight every game. Everyone started to respect us. Still in them first nine games, nobody respected us. Whole city, going to get relegated. 104 years in the, in the lower divisions, going to get relegated. So nobody used to prepare. And then next thing you know, Harry at Portsmouth, beat with 3-0, prepared, played diagonal balls against us. We couldn't cope with it. There was all sorts of things that I'm, that were signs that the tactics were coming up to, you know, you, you're starting to think some, some managers are actually doing the homework here and seeing where our weaknesses were. Anyway, long story short, you get to Christmas and we were probably 28 points or something like that. And we're 4-0 down. And I found out a couple of players had been out the night before. It was a Christmas, you know, because it was Boxing Day, if you were in the stand. Was it Jimmy Bullard? No. <laughs> Jimmy was there the next year. Jimmy wasn't there at the time. Oh, really? Jimmy did the team talk the following year when Didn't we got it. Barnby there? Barnby was there. Yeah. But that's, that's the kind of thing that was right up Nicky Street. Nicky, Nicky Barnby and people like him, Ian Ashby, in that yeah. change room, they would actually be galvanised by that kind of thing. So the high-risk strategy was to get the players who weren't towing the line in tow again because they were believing the headlines, you know. Uh, you've been mentioning that you are doing a bit of punditry. You're in the media at the minute. You were at Oxford versus Bolton last night. So we're filming this on the Wednesday morning. So you won't have seen the Newcastle game. I haven't seen the Newcastle game because I was at Manchester City versus Leipzig last night. So Sam, this is all falling on you. Um, what do you make of what happened in the Newcastle The highest game level where <clears throat> the highest level where the rules set up by FIFA, UEFA and the governing bodies of football in all, in all honesty, becoming an absolute joke, I have to say. I mean, not only we've seen it every week in the Premier League, and probably we've seen it down the line in all divisions now. You know, but I mean, obviously they're still refereeing on instinct and what they see, but I also think it's having an effect on them. But they don't have VAR. But all the ones in the Premier League, and certainly last night, one of the or renowned being promoted as the best. One of the best referees in the world, 
um, ultimately uh, got called over to VAR, which he shouldn't have done because the ball hit his chest and hit his arm. So that isn't a penalty. But still got called over by the VAR representative at the time. <coughs> and he went over and looked at it and gave a penalty. Now, I can only go on human error. The pressure put on him by the players of PSG, outrageous. And I mean outrageous. This is the goalkeeper running 75 yards. The players surrounding him and hounding him. Not just on this instant, by other instances. Because there'd been exactly the same instant happened before. That there was, wasn't looked at when the penalty where it hit his body, it hit his arm. So he's, he's made two differentials in the same game. But this is pure, this is pure um, not being able to cope with the pressure he'd been putting under. Not, I mean, it's big enough the pressure of handling the Premier League, uh, Champions League game anyway. Uh, but, you know, this, this was, you know, one that, you know, PSG had, had won by manipulating the referee subconsciously to go along with the pressure he'd been put under to make the wrong decision. And it's been well talked about this morning all over the place. And of course, it needs to it needs to be uh, look, looked at. Now, they've stood down the lad from VAR, where, where realistically they should stand down the referee as referee well. in the middle. Because yeah. ultimately, it's his, his decision, his decision in the end, I mean, it should never. It, the VAR lad should say, "Get on with it. It's not a penalty. Your first decision was right," and then the the next decision was calling him over. So he called him over to have a look at it, and then he made he made the wrong decision as well, and that's verberated across the, all of Europe. And it's gave. I mean, what people are not talking about is this. Luckily for Newcastle United. It wasn't the difference between qualifying and not to go to the next round. You imagine if they were 1-0 up oh, in yeah. injury time and those three points got them into the knockout stages and that decision went against them. Natalie, can the I consequences ask? of that. Just as a former Newcastle manager, if you're doing a school report on Eddie Howe, what would you, what would you say? What, what, would you, what would you be saying? Yeah, how, how, how well is he doing? How, how bet, he doing? Well, Eddie, Eddie, for one, hasn't... Uh, you know, we did our research when we got into Europe, innit? Uh, for one, he hasn't got a big enough squad, Phil. He just doesn't have... He just doesn't well, the, have... The rigours of the Premier League... He doesn't have a big enough squad to cope with that pressure uh, on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night in Europe. The expectation, the travel, the mental side of it, and, it, and then come and play in the Premier League at the weekend after that. And that, and that is not not going to be... Uh, it's not going to be accepted by the Newcastle press or the Newcastle fans if it slightly goes the other way. Mm. So, in 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 terms of what he's done, is is outstanding, uh, in, and they're still growing. And I only hope that the the, the owners behind him realise what a fantastic season they're having again. You know what I mean? And it would have been great to have gone out of the Champions League on beating PSG at PSG, mm. one of the wealthiest clubs in, in the world now. Um, uh, but you can take great pride in, 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 in what they've done. He is built on basis of good, solid, solid experience, a very good defensive team. Now, Natalie, sick of me hearing this, 
Never, Sam. She's sick of me hearing about how how good defences need to be and how poor <laughs> and how poor right? defences are in today's football. The strategy of his good defensive work and his better attacking play with better quality players now by far is matching up why Newcastle are doing so well, why they got in the Champions League, why they finished fourth last year. But that squad is thin to play in the Champions League. I guess it's tough for you because you've already said you're a Sunderland fan. Are you absolutely hating Newcastle doing so well? Am I? Say that again? Are you disliking how well Newcastle are uh, doing? Oh, it's a strange one, Natalie. It, it, I'm, I'm not actually, I'm, I'm actually enjoying the fact that I've always, fa- I'm fascinated by the North East, being from there first and foremost, but how it survives. Just the shipyards closed down. The mining industry closed down. Football is now the biggest commodity in Newcastle. And it's a fortune to become a, a season ticket holder. They're talking about it's a 55,000-seater stadium. They're going to extend it to 75, 80,000. So the demand is still up there. Where do they get their money from? Is, is you know, how they survive is just quite phenomenal. They're a rare breed. Have they bought the stadium? Aye. Aye. They have bought the, they have bought the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So they're a rare breed of supporters that will follow you through thick and thin, as you well know. Absolutely. Uh, both at Sunderland and Newcastle, having played and managed at, at, New, at Sunderland as well. I mean, there's not many managers. How, how many managers have done Sunderland and Newcastle? You, you've got to be the only not, one. Not many. There can't be many more than Sam. Mm-hmm. So he knows what it what it's like to play up there, to manage up there. The expectation levels is sometimes beyond recognition. They're, you know, they're crazy at what they actually believe they can achieve, having not achieved anything for a long, long time. But I don't want to see them... I actually would like to see them finish in the Champions League. I'd like to see, see Newcastle finish in the top four, wow. so long as Sunderland get promoted. So that's what's happened in the last few days. Let's have a look forward. So this weekend, West Ham are playing Palace. Two of your former teams, Sam. Oh, no, yeah. Quite a few of your former teams <laughs> yeah. today. Um, Landon. I love Landon. <laughs> Landon. Yeah. My... Yeah. <laughs> I lived, I lived on Tower Bridge for Crystal. Oh, Palace. did you know? <laughs> yeah, me and Sammy Lee visited every restaurant in that that area at night. When Wasn't we, in the prison when was we it? weren't watching. Yeah. <laughs> when, we were, when we weren't watching the game, we we used to walk on the Thames there, like you mean, and we'd sit and you know chew, chew the fat like because it's just me, just me and him, like you mean, and we're just waiting for training. Court and couples doing. We something. weren't going. <laughs> yeah, we weren't going watching another game. Um, it you was... never used to walk along the Thames with me. No. I used to get the Tain or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then Canary Wharf at West Ham, like me, eye opener. Oh, I enjoyed Very it. Very nice. Enjoyed it, like I mean. But, Very nice. Yeah, yeah we, big. Um, I don't know. I know that Moises managed to start the season pretty well. I'm glad to say, after, you know, Premier League, a poor season, but a great, a great history maker. You know, by winning the, I mean, people call it the the tag on cup, don't they? But it's it's it wasn't a tag on cup when you watch that final and the and they won it. It was yeah. it was magnificent for for West Ham fans and for Moisey and the staff and the players, like you mean. And he started well this year, but be light on players again. Lost not lost Mikel Antonio in it. So Angie's going through. Well, they've lost three three in a row at the minute. Angie, we've all started calling him Angie. Know, he's, he's got a personality, anti now. Um, three in a row, and they're going to City at the weekend. I mean, is that the worst possible fixture for them? Do you think? I don't think it is. You know, I think uh, it's probably the type of game that he could actually nick a result, and I don't mean win it. Um, I think he could. 
the way he plays, he's not going to change. He looks like he's setting his ways. He's going to try and pass Man City off the park. Who's ever done that? There's not many teams have done that. In the first half, I mean, you were at the game last night. In the first half, what were the passing stats at half time? Because I always look at that now. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, not to see, you look at that and, and it's sort of against what we, we used to talk about because we, we, we could lose a game of, um, of, not football, lose a game of passing stats in the Premier League, 70-30, and we'd still get a result. Because yeah. we're better than the opposition at set pieces or we get the ball into dangerous areas and it would hurt them. Whereas the majority of teams want to pass the ball everywhere they are in the park. So where Andrew's concerned, we went to um, LMA um, get-together um, and it was the annual, not the dinner, but the annual meeting down in London mm. with the Br British Museum and Andrew Postacoglu was presenting. And I thought, oh, this is going to be interesting. That's, a, that's the part I wanted to hear. You know, it was all about well-being and all this kind of stuff. But you want to get to that stage where let's hear what he's got to say because I can hear what he says to the press and the media. But where football people are concerned, it, sometimes you have a better conversation or a different conversation because you ask a better question. That sounds awful to the media, but it's true that he's trying to get something out of him. I think a manager, what I learned in India was when I was doing production, I was given three questions before a game and three questions after a game to the manager. Okay. Now, straight away, it got me thinking differently about the game of football. How can I get Sam Allardyce to say something, not controversial, but say something more meaningful um, that he wants to talk to me because I'm an, an ex-manager about football? And then all of a sudden you forget the cameras are there and, and we're having a conversation, you know, that type of thing. So where Andrew was concerned, he was surrounded by football managers. Mick McCarthy was there. There was, there was quite a few. And uh, he was talking openly and frank and he was talking about human things. You know, yeah. How humble, how um, you need to respect people. Um, and it's not brand new on the block. It's just that's the type of person he seems to be. Then you want to know about his coaching. Then you want to know about crisis management. Because I think it's a crisis situation. So crisis management, again, if you keep on doing the things that you do before the crisis management, you start losing games of football, something's got to change somewhere down there. Personnel have changed because of the game, the injuries to the players and the suspensions. So that's changed now. The players that have come in aren't as good as the ones that have left out. So he hasn't got two banks of 11 that can go and win the title, say, for instance, likes of Manchester City have or... Liverpool or Arsenal or teams at the top. So now he's now cutting his cloth in the same way with lesser cloth, basically. And uh, I think the game on Saturday is probably a free game. Nobody says a free game anymore. He used to say it all the time. We used to go at Bolton Wanderers to Manchester. It's a free game. Yeah. Go to Manchester. It's a free game. And how much Nobody pressure... Nobody expects you to win, lads. How much pressure that used yeah. to take off a group of players who were probably... Deep, in, deep down inside, aren't they? They're probably breaking it a wee bit. You know, probably... This manager expects us to win. No, he's telling you. It doesn't matter. But just go and... Be the footballer you were on the playground and go and express yourself. So Tottenham can play. But, you know, you're coming up against a great Man City team. OK, before we move on to the quick fire questions, I realise, Sam, we mentioned Palace... Um, playing West Ham at weekend, and then we just, as we do, we just circle around and move on. But um, me that you know, but uh, <laughs> Palace have got some injuries to Kure, Eze. I'm gutted about Eze. I just brought him in my fantasy team. Um, they're only one point behind Brentford, one point behind Chelsea in the league. How have you like both rating Palace? You mean season? you mean uh, you know the man that shouldn't have gone back to Crystal Palace? You know the man that everybody said, "What's he doing coming back?" Like you mean, you know you got Patrick Vieira, like who's the, you know, is the 
the new manager, look at the way he plays, look at the type of football he plays, and then, you know, 10 games with no wins. Now, that's a long time. That's Steve Parrish being very, very patient. Yeah, yeah. You'll know better. That's, that, that's Steve Parrish being very, very, very patient, by the way. Yeah. So that's how, that's how long Patrick Vieira got from Steve because he his position being put under threat and that's why they've lasted so long. He cuts you off. You don't do the business, you're out. You'll find somebody that will. That's why he's changed managers quite regularly, like you mean. So, so Patrick goes out. Roy comes in. What's he doing here? Why is he winning? What's with that? And it, and then what he's done, Roy, is like what we all do. Us, us old, old as be managers, as everybody says, like you mean the new breed on the block. So he's come in and looked at the talent and gone. This could these can play an awful lot better than the ones I had. So Steve Parishman's recruitment has been exceptionally good recently along with the manager or coaches at that particular time. And Roy's gone in and looked and looked at the East and said, these, these can play more. And he goes and they play some, got some great results and got play some great football. And they're still doing exactly the same because the quality of the player is capable of it. You know, and I don't know, I don't know why I have to keep repeating myself over the last 15, 20 years. And the only... The only way we get better as a manager, a coach, is we get better players, mm. and that you know, and it and it's it still repeats itself. And you sit there and go, "How long do we have to keep saying <laughs> keep it? Keep saying it, big you man." I mean, but we have to, you know, because it's fact. Oh, is that? And, and, and Roy's doing exactly the same again, yeah. and and he and he and he's looking at what Crystal Palace are capable of achieving, and he's making them achieve. Exactly that, like I mean, so not only I was at Manchester United game, uh, not in the cup, in the league on the Saturday. So in the cup, Palace were drubbed three, might have been four nil on the Tuesday night, mm. and I just do my work and I'm looking at the teams and the changes in the team, and he changed the front four. Yeah. So Palace have gone back to Manchester United, Old Trafford on the Saturday, four days after being drubbed. Yeah. Three nil. That's right. And he's changed the front four. Well, straight away, I'm. Dealing with, you know, do you know Gaz Drinkwater? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gaz Drinkwater was sitting, sitting beside me. He's a good friend. He's, of a, he's a United fan. And he's privileged, privileged United fan. He's doing the radio for Manchester. Unbelievable. He's been doing it for about 15 years, hasn't he? And he's talking, Manchester United, this Manchester. Oh, it's a foregone conclusion they're going to win the game. I said, don't think that fella down there, octogenarian, by the way, I'm calling him. He's an 80 year old fella. Don't think that fella's going to come here and lie down there. Quite 80 yet, Phil. You're gonna, <laughs> you know, he's gonna, he's gonna lie down and, and not a chance. I said, with well, that front four, they're gonna go in the face of Man United. And sure enough, as eggs were eggs, bang, straight went in the face of the opposition. You know, we're trying to pop the ball around at the back, couldn't get anywhere near. Thinking, where's that team we played three days yeah. ago? And they just, they hadn't. T- Palace won one now. Yeah, yeah. Palace won one nil, and Roy Hodgson was standing there, and I thought he doesn't look right to run up to the touchline like a Mourinho and celebrate with the fans. But he went across and. Just yeah. respectfully. But one guy that never gets enough mention is he's number two. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? He, yeah. I know. Yeah, the yeah, one who yeah. shouts all the instructions on the touchline. I know. He um, never stops. He never stops. You don't get, get enough mention and he's right, not getting bun down. That's exactly <laughs> right. He's been with him for a long, long time. And I'll tell you his name in a minute. It'll come. Louis- Lewington. Lewington. Ray Lewington. Ray Lewington. Ray Lewington. Yeah. Thank God for that. Yeah. There you go. Bail me out. It's getting a bit lively. <laughs> <laughs> Louis. Yeah, right. Buenos Moise in the other in the other direction is still 
is still transitioning into the way the way that they're playing and still matching up his defence to go with it. Moise will not be happy with how many goals. He'll be happy with the way they're playing with the ball and the way that the way they're progressing with the ball with the quality of player they got. Yeah. But he'll be very, very unhappy with the defensive work of the team at the moment. But he needs he, once he gets that matched up again, because his expectation is to be finishing, you know, near or close to European football again. Top six. And that's very difficult. Yeah. Sure to be a cracker. Okay. Time to move on to the quick fire questions. Impossible. Never quick, but we're actually going to try and make them quick oh, this we week. To. So let's try I've and do got, our best. I've got to get home. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's wife's starting to get worried, right? Would the both of you work together again? Yes. Oh, aye, aye. Yes, aye. 100%. Lovely, lovely stuff. Okay. Um, and we've got three listener questions in here as well today. Oh, we great. always ask our listeners if they want to ask both of you, the guest, Sam, anything. Loads came in this week. If you ever want to ask a question, you can just tweet me. Think I can't remember. Just put Natalie Pike in Twitter and find me, um, and you can tweet me a question. So we've got three this week. So Sam, a question from Joseph Wilkes, and this is an interesting one. All right. Would you be interested in the Republic of Ireland job? Well, I would think you'd always speak to anybody, or I'd always speak to anybody if it said, you know, what do you think? What's the chances of you coming along and uh, managing the team and see what and then go along and chat away with them like I mean I mean then then you you can make a, a more a, a more and bigger decision and better decision on what what the chat's been like and what what you there's so many things that that you need to talk about and need to understand together in terms of the way you would work and how you would work it and where you would go to be comfortable to for them for them to be comfortable with me and say Sam we'd like you to get the job mm-hmm. or me to say you know yes you know, I'd accept that. I'd accept that position, of course. Oh, that was interesting. Okay, I like that question. Thanks, Joseph. Okay, um, that was quite short. That was very, good, <laughs> very, very good for you, Sam. Okay, it must be one word, Sam. <laughs> right. What was a better achievement? Ooh. Ooh. Sam getting into Bolton. Sam getting Bolton into Europe, or Phil taking Hull into the Premier League. I think this, where where Sam was concerned and where Bolton were concerned, it was the it was the journey end for me because I was thinking, what more can we do? And it literally was, you know, Sam's got the team into the playoffs, missed out, disaster, got the team into the playoffs again, promoted, survive, survive, survive. From being a yo-yo club, and I was part and parcel of that as a player, coach and manager or assistant manager with Bruce Riott, with Colin Todd and with Sam Allardyce in the 90s. Now all of a sudden it's not just survival, it's like survival, build, survival, build, Europe. Bolton Wanderers in Europe. It's just a phenomenal achievement, seriously. But it was a build-up of over six or seven years. For me, that was um, a bigger achievement. Individually, me obviously, personally, I would say whole city because I, w- I wasn't with a big man then. Yeah. By the way, when he gets to Europe, I'm there celebrating with him. When I got to to the Premier League, he's on the yeah. team bus. Yeah. <gasps> he's on the team bus. He came in the change room afterwards and he said, I'm coming back and I'm celebrating. I'm coming celebrating them. Went back to the Grove. Went back to the Grove, huh? Great night, right? And he celebrated with yeah. a fantastic night. Yeah. So that, that was... Champagne night, that was. Oh, I imagine. So that was him supporting me yeah. as a manager and, and vice versa. You know, I think it's I think it's right that, that people... Well, no, that. that was all City in the Premier League for the first time, wasn't it? I mean, that playoffs and then staying in the Premier League, so... 
Mm. Oh, they're friends, these two. They're friends. Right. Another question. <laughs> yeah, proper, proper actual friends. Another question from a listener, David Hopkins. Uh, Phil, do you feel that you had a fair go at the Derby job, given all of the backroom issues that were at the club? <laughs> no. <laughs> I just got the Derby job at the wrong time. Oh. It was the right time for me. And again, go back to Sam, put him, put him down as a referee on my CV. I hit the post at Burnley. Yeah. Steve Cottrell got it. I hit the post at West Bromwich Albion. Brian Robson got it. Yeah. And then I got the Derby job. And I moved on quickly. And when I got the sack nine months down the line, Sam said, first one on the fourth. I told you, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> if you become a manager, you'll get sacked. But I didn't think it was nine months. I thought it was going to last forever. Um, no, it was very short. I the club it. was in a bit of a state then, though. The Cl- club was in an awful I mean, mess. That's a, three three that's of the four of them got jail after I got the sack. You know, does a Derby fan ever cut me any slack with regards to that? No, they just don't realise how bad the club, how, how, the mess that the club was in. And I've inherited that to a certain extent, which you do do as a manager. And you try and sweep clean and it's very, very difficult. Thank you. Thank you, David Hopkins. Right, another another listener question. I like this one. Sam, this is what people really juicily want to know. Juicily. All, juicily want juicily. to know. All your football experience, and this is what Ethan wants to know. Come on. What's your favourite cheat meal? What's your favourite takeaway? Ooh. <laughs> I'll get yours as well, Phil. My favourite takeaway? Ooh. Is there a few? Well, there's Big Mac and chips. <laughs> On the on, on the when on the drive through when, when <coughs> I'm me. hungry like you mean and I thought oh well big mac and cheese which is just you know just quick and easy and yeah Woof. wherever you no. go in the world they taste the same wherever I've been in the world True. big mac tastes the Those same chips yeah. are mega I as mean well. yeah oh. and then and then I, I would say um, it's a curry oh well done you. What's your, what's your, what's your it's nan bread, uh, uh, rice, and uh, I would say a gel frazzy, chicken gel frazzy. Yeah. Papadoms? Yeah. Mango onions chutney? and chutney, yeah. Okay. And then uh, shish kebab starter. Making me hungry. Bit of salad. <laughs> Making me salad. hungry. Bit of salad with the sauce, you know. Is there a kitchen here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm hungry, Phil. I've just come back from India, so mine's a biryani, I'm afraid. Yeah. I managed Hyderabad. It's the home of the biryani. And um, when you get a biryani in Hyderabad, oh, space is unbelievable. You, know, you don't actually think in England it's a spicy dish. You think it's a rice dish. Yeah. Uh, but the Does it, biry- is there a sauce comes with that? You oh, can yeah. put a bit of sauce on it, but what they do is they just they cook the chicken or whatever meat that you're having with it. They cook the rice in a spicy way as well, so you don't have you, you know sometimes when you get you get a spoonful of rice and it just calms you calms you down a wee bit. This rice is off the map as well as the, but I like spicy food too. Biryani. So I can't eat a biryani with biryani. sauce. No, without the sauce, too dry. Yeah, it's too dry for me. Yeah. yeah. Good question. This I'll yeah. take the nuts off as well. Absolutely. Like what about you? Chinese. Are you? I like salt and pepper fries, or salt and pepper chips, uh, egg fried rice, and because I'm vegetarian, my local Chinese, I have tofu with honey and soya sauce. And honestly, Ooh. it sounds weird, but it's so nice. Oh, and seaweed. But I don't think it's real seaweed. I think it's just cabbage that they fry. It is. What a question, Ethan. What a question. Great question, Ethan. <laughs> right. Last one of the day today. Um, and finally, is there one manager in the world or who? Let's not say who. It, who is the manager in the world that you wouldn't want to get stuck in a lift with? <laughs> <laughs> stuck in a lift with? Ah, oh, I've got to say it, Wenger. 
and I don't mean this in a nasty way. I, I did. Uh, I did. Uh, when I first met him, Sam, I met him with Colin Todd. Yeah. He had just got the job because Bruce Rioch got the sack. To, you know, Bruce Rioch got promoted by Bolton to Arsenal, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And he took everybody on, and, and Wenger came in to replace um, Bruce. And then we had a breakfast. We were playing Chelsea, and we were staying at the um, hotel in St Albans. And uh, me and Toddy sitting having breakfast, and all of a sudden, Arsene Wenger comes and, sit, and he's like a professor, you know. He just sits beside us, and he stayed with us for about two, two and a half hours, talking about his plans for Arsenal. And to a man, to a word, to a, a promise, it had all come true what he was giving us. And I thought, brilliant, this fella. But then we played them at Highbury, and we beat them two one. And I was just as a normal manager, I went and knocked at his office, and everyone said, no, he's he's in his room, he's he's not coming in here. Why is he not coming in here? Because we beat him. And I went I went to his room, knocked at his door and went in his room and he's writing his notes down and he ignored me. And I thought, well, okay, I wouldn't like to be stuck in a lift with you now. <laughs> because he went up in my estimations when I first met him, but he went down in my estimations so the last time I met him. Oh, he's a great manager, that's for sure. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Sam? We, we, uh, he walked down the tunnel without shaking me hand. Did he? Thank you, did. Two managers did that. So they're the, they're the I mean, the Benitez was the next one. We beat him at the Reebok. Aye. And uh, at, Bo at Bolton, we had two tunnels. As you well know, at the Reebok, we had a, a tunnel for the away team here, a tunnel for the home team here. And I get, our benches are together, the fourth official in the middle. So I got up and walked like that, and he got up and went like that. So that's it for me. And I, and so, I remember so, him standing there because he knew the cameras would then be on him. Yeah. And he was like, you know, he put his hand there and he's, he's just looking at us. He made his point. He made his point. Thank you. I knew it that was. That was a bit longer, that one. I knew it was going to be a good and I knew we were going to get some stories. <laughs> Phil, thank you because you've driven all the way up bright and early this morning. We very much appreciate it. Thank <laughs> thank you. So do I. Thank you very, very much. much. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank that's you very much. Early, uh, just late notice as well. It was only. Thank a day, you. a day before. Was it yesterday? I rang you. Was it? Oh, you were good and oh, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew we were doing. Who let us down? I knew he was doing notes. <laughs> he owed me one anyway because I did his podcast last week. No, his Q and A last week down at his yeah. place, which was very, very good. Could have been at Southern Races, though, couldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Proper friends. Thank you for joining us. And OTP Tappy Football brought to you by William Hill. We'll be back next week. 